0: Second 2 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning, and I appreciate you being in our Sunday school hour, and we need the teaching of the Word of God, and it's going to be a great time this morning in our class. We've been going through this uh, series on making home work. How many of you want to make your home work? I mean, I know I do. I don't want my home to not work, and I realize that as we're going through these lessons that there is something in each lesson for all of us. And and a lot of our homes are at different stages of life. Some may find themselves the only person in their home. And I think even some of the principles you'll see will help you to establish the right kind of home, have the right kind of home. And if you have someone in your home, maybe to visit, to stay overnight, something like that, it'd be a good way for you to help to to be the right kind of influence. And that's what we started last Sunday was we started the first part of this two-part lesson that we're going to finish this morning And the lesson was about the power of a parent's influence. Now, as parents, you know, you think about every one of us in our lives in this auditorium this morning have influence. God's given us an opportunity to influence others around us. This past week, we didn't just build a castle. We realized that God was going to give us a week to influence young lives, impressionable lives, with the truth of the gospel. And that's what we try to do to the best of our ability this week, is to influence them for the Lord. Last week, as I got into this lesson, I talked about how there were a lot of people, uh, a lot of sources out there that are trying to influence our children and uh, try to get them to think about things. And the reality is the world's not trying to put good things into people's lives The world's trying to put bad things into people's lives. That's why God's given parents the responsibility. And one of the responsibilities is is that we have to be vigilant. The Bible uses that word. We have to be vigilant and sober and guard our children and guard their hearts. And also, we have to invest godly influence into their lives. The one thing, and and again, I'm not here to tell you how to parent. What I'm going to share with you this morning is just biblical principles But understand that as we think about raising our children, that God's given us a great opportunity. And it's amazing how fast time goes. Uh, When you stop and think about uh, children that you've known, and maybe some of you have even had the opportunity to influence children that were not your own, and now they're adults. And you think about that that opportunity to influence them, we have to make uh, the most out of every opportunity that we can and so last week, we looked at three ways that we, as parents, can influence our children. And I'm going to just review this with you. Notice, first of all, we talked about influencing them through the scriptures. And what does God's word do? It sets the direction for their lives. Uh, you know, it's like when you take a trip, you, you know, if you, if you think about it, you think about a destination. If we're going to go on a trip, a lot of times you say, well, where do you, where do you want to go? Well, we're going to go to the Bahamas. Uh, We're going to go to New York. We're going to go wherever it might be. And so you set that direction. You determine a course. And that's exactly what the Word of God does, is one day we know that eternity means that we will be with the Lord in heaven. Uh, This week, I was telling the men this morning, you know, the, the whole theme of Vacation Bible School wasn't about a castle. It was about the king of the castle. And the king really represents the Lord. It's Jehovah God. And I'm glad, as I told the men this morning, that we have a king who doesn't just sit in his castle and care nothing about the people. Matter of fact, we have a king that loves us so much that he sent his son from heaven or out of that castle into the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And not only did God do that, God gave us some, but God gave us the Word of God. See, Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh, but then he also gave us the Word of God, the written Word of God. And the Word of God sets direction for their lives. It helps, remember last week we talked about developing biblical guidelines? And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, get a copy of that, that lesson. It's the first part of the, the lesson today. And we talked about everything needs to start with a biblical command. Remember that triangle that we talked about? It all begins with a biblical command. And then from those Bible commands, we develop a what? Does anybody remember? It starts with a P, a principle. And remember the example I used was the Bible says, God, has, God said, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. So we have a Bible command. God commands us to be holy Then we develop a principle from the Bible command, and from the principles of the Word of God, we develop what? Standards. Standards. And that's what we need to have in our homes. Now, look here. The standard comes from the principle. The principle comes from the Bible command. So what we need to help our children is to influence them through the Scriptures. Make sure that we're doing that. Secondly, we talked about influencing them through salvation. See, children need to understand who Jesus is. They need to understand what sin is. Uh, whenever I, I spoke to the children in Vacation Bible School, the very first night I asked them the very first question, do you know what sin is? It's amazing when you ask children what sin is, some of the things they start saying. But they know what's wrong. Even at a very young age, they know what sin is. Now, you know what us adults do? We like to categorize and change the names of things as we get older. You know why, why adults do that? Because they try to justify their sins. But see, what we need to help our children do is understand this matter of salvation, that they will spend eternity somewhere. So we can influence them through the scriptures. We can influence them through salvation. And the third way is we can influence them through a godly spirit. Remember, I told you last week that our spirit is always on display in front of our children. They're watching us. Children are learning from our spirit. Somebody said a steady spirit brings security. A positive spirit brings joy. And a prayerful spirit brings peace. And we need to pray for our children. So parents, your attitude, your demeanor, is something that is always training your children. It's always Influencing your children and those are three ways we talked about that we can influence our children now I'm gonna give you the last two this morning on Ways we can influence our children write down the fourth one which is the first one in your notes today It's influencing them through godly environment through a godly environment We have to be intentional in our homes in the surroundings of our homes But also we have to be intentional well, intentional with people that we allow our children to spend time with. Uh, look, you, you need to understand how important it is you know, that, that we see the value of your children being around the right people. We all know the Bible principle, iron sharpens what? Iron. iron. And I want to be around people that are going to help me to be a better Christian. I don't want to be around someone that's going to pull me down, that's going to pull me away from the Lord to pull me into the world. I want to be around someone that's going to help me. But look here, then why do we expect less of our children? I want my children. Now, look, if they're my children, they're not perfect. And no one's children are perfect. But you have to understand that that some children come from an environment, a home that is a godly home, a godly environment, And that's what you want your children to be around is, listen, a child's surroundings will help them. It will teach them lessons. It will leave a strong impression on them. They are learning from those surroundings, from that environment. Uh, A mom used to say, a place for everything and everything in its place. Did you ever mom like that? You know, hey, put that away, you know, put that in its place. That's where that goes. Uh, you know, and, and so here's what I want you to see is when you think of a godly environment, I think of two things, right? The first one down is, is we need to help them understand there is a biblical order. We're talking about order in our homes, but also order in our lives. Now, you notice the first word, I just didn't say an order. We know that there is a world order, okay? Everybody knows that. The world's got its order. But the Bible has an order also. Now, look, if you're a child of God, then what you need to understand is God wants you to get the order for your life and the order for your children's life from the Word of God. It's a biblical order. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion. It also says, a couple verses later, let all things be done decently and in what? In order. God wants our lives to be ordered. Now look, I'm not saying that your home has to be like a, a prison camp or that you have to be a, a guard with your children, things like that. Now, to, to some degree, I think discipline is a good thing. Uh, I think having a discipline in your home, you know, when, when the boys and girls come in, if you were here this week, we had a lot of fun. We had a, we had a great time with the boys and girls. We cut up. We had a good time. But when it comes time for the Word of God, we get very serious And they say, okay, boys and girls, it's time to stop talking. Okay, boys and girls, we need you to sit up in your chair and look this way. You know, there's a time. You you know, the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time for this, but there's a time for this. And there needs to be order. And let me give you three ways to provide order in your home. Now, again, I'm not telling you how to conduct your home. I'm just giving you some biblical principles this morning. So how can you create order in your home? The first one, write it down, is cleanliness. Cleanliness cleanliness. Look, it, it shouldn't be that company's coming, I've got to clean the house, all right? Your house needs to be, now look, if, if, if the parents don't keep a clean house, then what kind of home do you think the children are going to keep? <laughs> I'll never forget, we went to visit somebody years ago, and we got to the house, and, and we were there, we were spending some time with them, and it was late, or maybe the next morning, and and I wanted to take a shower, and uh, so I, I went into the bathroom, and, and I, I just about was getting ready to get in the shower, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute, I need a towel, so I started looking around. I looked in the closets, looked in underneath the sink, couldn't find a towel anywhere, and I thought, okay, good thing I, I didn't get completely undressed, so I went outside, went down. I said, hey, are there any towels, you know, and the, the person that lived there, she says, uh, oh, okay, there's some down here, so I followed her down the hallway. She she tried to open this door, but she couldn't get the door open, so I said, here, let me help you. I had no idea that the reason I was, couldn't, she couldn't get the door open is because it was a laundry room, and her floor had clothes on the laundry room floor about this deep. I mean, I was just talking behind the door, I'm talking the whole laundry room floor, and she, she reached in there and grabbed a towel off the floor and handed it to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay should i take a shower or should i not take a shower you know i i i we, when i was traveling one time i took uh i actually took some uh some of the people that were traveling with me and we, we were going to stay at a couple different places so i had three college girls with me and i stopped at this house and and these folks seemed okay dropped them off at the house and and so we were helping the college girls does get in the get in the house and so they had they grabbed their bags and they were they went down the hallway the people were showing them where their bedrooms were and so i i was 20 steps behind him, I was coming in with another suitcase, and I was going down the hallway, and the college girls were coming towards me, and the, the people were in the hallway with us. It was very busy. They were coming this way, and, and one of the college girls was just was moving her mouth, you know. and I'm not, I don't read lips very well, but I read her lips very well, and here's what she was saying. Without any voice, any noise, she was saying, I am not staying here. <laughs> and, and so I became... Uh, someone that could communicate back without saying a word either. And I said, yes, you are, yes, you are, yes, you are. And she's like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And so we're having this silent argument in the hallway. And I thought, you know, you'd have to know the girl. She's always kind of cutting up anyway. I thought she was putting me on, but the next morning we picked him up, and the look on her face was like, you're dead. You owe me big time. She gets in the van, and she's, she takes her phone out, and she starts showing me there was dog droppings in their bedroom on the floor. And I'm like, what kind of people live like that? You know, last time I checked, it would the answer to that question would be animals. But folks, listen, children need a house that is orderly. And one way to have order in your home is to make sure there's not dirty clothes laying around, make sure there's not dirty dishes piling up in the sink, make sure there's not clutter. I can't stand clutter. You know, it's like I I go into Brother Kenny and Brother Chris's office. I'm like, all right, you guys just need to start putting everything, put that where it goes, put that. You know, I just can't stand stuff laying around. You can ask them. I'll walk through the church and I'll say, that needs to go somewhere. That shouldn't be there, you know. And I don't know, it's just... I guess I'm just like that. But I just don't like clutter. Can you imagine what the church would be like? You know, one, this city around here, if you've noticed the signage, sometimes we put out signs for our church. And if we, we put out those ones for vacation Bible school, it just got the little, the little metal things. You jam them in the ground, you know, the little corrugated signs. And as soon as we put them in the ground, the city comes along and takes them. And, and you know, at first I thought, well, I don't like that. But the reason they do that is because if they let people put out signs everywhere, can you imagine what the city would look like? See, we need to have order, and one way is that there needs to be cleanliness. Look at another way we can have order is a schedule. There needs to be a plan and a purpose for every day. Uh, you know, you have to think to yourself, now again, if you're a stay home mom, and, and again, that's work, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. But if you're a stay home mom, you've got to have a plan for the day, otherwise it's going to be chaos at your house. Uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're going to get up and go to work, you've got to accomplish some things before you go to work. Man, I get, I get up every morning this morning, I got up at 5 o'clock this morning. I got more work accomplished before church started this morning than most people will do an entire day. I love the morning time. You know why? Because the phone's not ringing. People are not asking me things. I can actually be, have a productive morning. And a lot of times, I just get up and go in. You know, now a lot of times, people in my house, they think the morning is for sleeping. But to me, it's a, it's a time to get up and work. And, and so there has to be a schedule. Children will benefit from a schedule. Uh, we need to have a schedule. My, my daughter, Abby, she was telling me that when she was teaching up in Maryland, she said she had a student. What, Chris, what age did she have? In she had a high school junior, high. junior high. She had this girl that had, I forgot what condition she had, but this girl, if Abby said if she got a little bit off on her schedule, She said, this girl, she goes, I knew I was behind on my schedule because this girl would start to act a certain way, and it was a reminder, I need to get back on track. I need to get back on schedule. And we need to have a schedule. You think about toddlers. Hey, listen, little children, they need to have a time to play. They need to have a nap time. They, they need to have a time. Uh, children that are in school, younger children, uh, they need to have a time that maybe where they can ha- do their homework, where they can play with their friends. Uh, don't just, it shouldn't just be free time. Anything goes. You think about teenagers. Look, it, look I'm not, I'm not, I never was a big person on electronics, but a kid, teenager shouldn't sit for eight hours and play video games. There should be some scheduling time. Let them have time with their friends and let them have a time to play with their electronics, but let them have a time to study. See, everyone in the family needs time, especially time, to be with the family. Uh, You know, we've gotten away from having family time, and there needs to be where you turn the television off and you just spend time with the family. Look at this little statement here, unplanned days lead to unfocused lives. And that's, that's true. There needs to be biblical order. A third way we talked about last week, I won't spend a lot of time, is decorations. Uh, in your home, surround. Maybe put some things in your home that would speak of the Lord. That might be, they might be framed as sayings. They might be little figurines or something like that where your children see reminders about God and reminders about the Word of God and how they should live their lives, there needs to be biblical order in the whole. But look at the second one is biblical music. Biblical music. Now, look, this is something that, you know, you think about entertainment in this world, it has a strong influence, entertainment does, in many forms. And this morning, I just want to give you a couple ways, because we have to be aware that that oftentimes in entertainment, television shows, music, movies, there are subtle messages that come in many forms of entertainment. How many of you, out of curiosity, how many of you have ever heard of what's called back masking? Anybody? Not many of you. Back masking is something you can look it up yourself. It's where there are hidden messages in a movie or a a song or a music. It's a technique of recording things backwards. Now, I I thought somebody was putting me on one time, and and so I actually checked into this, and it is a real thing. Uh, Years ago, uh, you know, we... We, we let our children watch uh, Disney movies. Now, they've changed a lot over the years. But back then, you know, Bambi and, you know, uh, some of the older ones, we would let them watch. Some of the newer ones, they, they've really gotten different. But to me, most Disney movies, you had, you had a good person and a bad person. And good always triumphed over evil, you know. And so that was always the storyline. It was just different people. And uh, the, the movie came out called The Lion King. Remember that one? I think it's still one of their most popular ones, and and uh, I was in a church service one time, and a preacher was talking about these subtle uh, messages that are hid. And uh, I'll date myself. Remember back in the VHS days, you know, and uh, and so you know they were telling us about this, and I was like, no, 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 he's no, he's off his rocker. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so I went home and got that movie out and put it in our VCR, and I pulled it up because because he was telling about something that was in the movie. And some of you are probably going to go try this, and you're welcome to try it if you want, if you have the movie. But I put it in there, and I got it to the scene where the, 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 the young lion, what is his name, Simba or something like that, he, uh, he goes out into this field, and is, he looks up into the night sky, and there's stars in the sky, and he falls over in the field, and all this, uh, I don't know if it's, it's flowers or whatever, it up, all, all just goes up in the air, And that's all you see. And then it goes on to the next scene. But if you stop it and you you just advance frame by frame by frame, it actually spells something in the sky. And your eye doesn't catch that. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it says because it's not good. But I was just like, whoa. I never knew that was there. Now, I don't understand all the intricacies of what the mind picks up and what the mind processes, but I'm telling you, the devil is very crafty. And so this morning, I want you to understand that there needs to be the right kind of entertainment. Listen, the type of music that your child listens to has a way to influence their personality. Like, for instance, and I'm hoping it's on its way out, but goth. Goth music is basically like a punk rock but if you remember, not too long ago, when Goth got very popular, that's when everybody started painting their fingernails black. The lipstick was black. All the makeup was dark. The hair went dark. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Don't look at me like you don't see these people. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you, know, you know what's happening is the music is influencing their personality. Some of you that that, that maybe have been around a little longer than others, you remember remember years ago in the early days of television when elvis presley was first on tv they wouldn't shoot him from the waist down on tv because of the pulsating music and and when people started seeing what some of these people did it started causing i think you're 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 kind of catching the picture and the reason i am I'm, I'm not trying to bring up good or bad memories in your life i'm trying to get you to understand that the right kind of things or the wrong kind of things are going to influence our children, All right, that's why we didn't have worldly entertainment here this week for vacation Bible school, you know I got that song stuck in my head, Brother Larry, over the moat you know, enter the gate, I mean all morning long, last night my wife's like your dad's, she told my daughter, your dad's over there trying to sing it, trying to sing it I was singing it, and I was singing it good, you know And and listen, we need to make sure that the right kind of things... Listen, the Bible says, look at these verses in Ephesians 5, because it shows us here in the Word of God how that it connects. The Word of God connects being filled with the Spirit, to singing singing Christian music. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess. Be not... He's saying there, don't be controlled by the things of this world, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs... Singing and making melody in your heart to who? The to the Lord. See, godly people, now listen, remember I'm not telling you this morning what to do, but I've been around enough Christians over the years that godly people have varying standards in the area of music. And that's okay. I'm not here to tell you what kind of music. I, I think that the kind of music we listen to should glorify the Lord, if I can just put it that way. If it's something that doesn't glorify God, in other words, if it feeds the flesh, I believe it's not godly music. And we need to see how that that music is something that feeds the flesh. Music also contributes to being filled with the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Look there in your notes, because in this passage in Exodus 32, do you remember the story where Moses and Joshua were up on the mountain, and then they were coming down and they heard this noise? And they couldn't recognize the noise. Look what the Bible says here. As Aaron was leading the people in false worship before that golden calf, the Bible says in verse number 17, when Joshua heard, notice what the Bible says, the noise. You know what most music, I pull up along some cars here on the street, and I'm like, is that music or just noise? You know, car, the car next to me is like vibrating on the, on the pavement, you know? And it says here, the Bible says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said, Joshua said unto Moses, now look what he says, there is a noise of war. Interesting words. And notice it's in the camp. It's in among the people. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery. In other words, it's not something joyous, it's not something good he says, neither is it the voice of them that cry of being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. In other words, Joshua was going, I never heard that song before. I, don't, I never recognized that song before. Uh, that, that just seems like something that maybe the Lord wouldn't be pleased with. But look, if you look in the Word of God, there, there was a totally different kind of music that was used when the temple was completed and they went to dedicate the house of God. Now notice, they weren't singing songs like Aaron leading the people in false worship with the golden calf. Look at 2 Chronicles 5. It says, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. So everybody's in unison. They're all singing together. They made one sound to be heard in praising and thanking who? The Lord. See, the Bible doesn't use that kind of terminology when it's talking about what the people were singing with Aaron. The Bible says they were singing and praising, thanking God, and they lifted up their voice with the trumpet and cymbals and instruments of music. And look, and they praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Hey, listen, if we're going to sing something, we need to make sure that the, the right kind of music, biblical music, honors God, it glorifies God. The Holy Spirit is grieved by music that pulls us into the world, the world's kind of music. See, we need to play music in our homes that's God-honoring music. Because, listen, whatever you play in your home, your children will either listen to that or they will listen to less than what you're singing. They never rise higher than leadership. So keep that in mind because you're influencing your children by the entertainment, what you watch, what you listen to, What you allow, listen, that includes your car. Now, a lot of times we think, well, you know, I got my beats on. Well, God knows what you're listening to in those beats. We've got to be careful about the right kind of music. So, look, if we're going to influence them with a godly environment, it needs to be through biblical order and biblical music. Now, again, look, don't don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you what kind of music. I'm telling you this morning that if you just want to simplify it, that if you're going to listen to music or watch something, it should be something that glorifies God, okay? Look at number two. The the last way we can influence our children is through Christian servants. Remember the story here where we've read a couple times about Timothy and his mother and his grandmother and the influence that they had in his life? But you know, there was also another individual that strongly influenced young Timothy, and his name was the Apostle Paul. See, we caution our children a lot of times, and I think we should, about the wrong kind of friends. But look, why can't we also encourage our children to hang around the right kind of friends? See, don't just be a parent that says, you can't be with this person, you can't be with this person, you can't be with... Before long, your kids are going to be like, all right, who can I be with? And right about then is when you need to go, hey, that, that's, that boy right there is somebody that you need to get, be friends with. When I went to Bible college... You know, I was just I was just praying that God would get me through it. Is what I was praying. I've been out of school for thirteen years. I was scared to death that i forgot everything that I learned when I was in school, and so when I went off to Bible college, I just was trying to you know focus and do what God had you know why God had me there in school, and and uh, probably within the first couple of days, this this younger guy because you know I was I was a married student. This younger guy named Jason comes up to me, introduced himself. We became great friends. Matter of fact, he was probably my best friend during, during my college days, and we're still good friends even to this day, but he's about 11, 12 years younger than I am, and I didn't know it until almost graduation. Jason came to me, and he says to me, he says, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Now, I don't know why he chose to tell me this, but he said, when I got ready to go off to Bible college, he said, my dad gave me some counsel, and I said, what was it? And he said, my dad told me to look around and find an older student, maybe a married guy, Because he says, if you find an older student or a married guy, he's at Bible college on purpose. And he says, I want you to find someone like that, and I want you to become friends with him. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why Jason became my friend. And and he just listened to the counsel of his dad. But looking back on it, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad that I was the right kind of influence in Jason's life. I didn't know that. And a lot of times we don't know when people are watching us. But listen, God gave Paul a tremendous opportunity to influence young Timothy. Now look, I'm glad for a mother and a grandmother. But boy, God's put some spiritual men in my life, and I've been glad for every one of them. I could start naming names, even from the early days, Chuck Holt, Ken Debose. I could just Jack Caldwell. I can name guy after guy. That, that have had, had a huge impact on my life. And look, I am who I am today because of the Lord and because of these people that God brought into my life. I hope you have some of these people. Because we need to understand that Christian servants are important. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And our children need strong Godly influences like Paul. So, notice two things that we see. One is they need godly teachers. Paul took the time to teach young Timothy, and I love it because you studied out. Paul uh, a couple times came into Timothy's hometown, and when Paul came in there and began to teach the Word of God, he began to talk about the Messiah. Hey, listen, I'm glad I've got a youth pastor and assistant pastor. In that room back in the corner of our church back here, that's not back there talking about himself this morning. He's back there talking about our great God, and those teenagers are hearing about God. Their lives will be changed. By the way, I just on a side note, you know, we 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 advertise our vacation Bible school from four years of age through sixth grade, and we probably average thirteen teenagers every night at vacation Bible school. To me, that was, a, that was one of the most exciting things all week because teenagers could be anywhere doing anything and they were in church every night. And I'm glad that, that there are times where uh, we can be taught. Uh, Timothy, he watched Paul do so many things. There was one time where Paul healed a crippled person and Timothy, I, I think when, when Paul was, remember when Paul was dragged out of the city and he was stoned and left for dead? Imagine what went through Timothy's heart. When he thought, "Oh, Paul's, Paul's probably dead. What am I going to do now?" Kind of like the disciples when Jesus was crucified. But can you imagine what, what went through Timothy's heart and mind when Paul came straggling back into town? He's like, "Paul, it's you, you know I mean he, I can't even imagine. And look, by the way, Timothy saw firsthand a man that understood the power of God, and he saw the example that Paul had in his life. And Paul was one that influenced Timothy in so many ways. And it somehow, in all of that, what was going on as Paul was watching—excuse Tim, uh, me, Timothy watching Paul. Hey, listen! Somewhere along the way, you know what happened? God began to deal with young Timothy, and God eventually called Timothy into the ministry. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with every child that comes to church, every child that has a godly teacher, but I still believe, let me say it again, I still believe that God wants to call some out to serve Him with their lives. I still believe it. I think it's exciting, you know, and in these days, we need to have godly teachers. Look at what the Bible says in Second Timothy 1 and verse number 2. Just thinking about Paul's influence on Timothy's life, he says to Timothy, my dearly beloved, what's that word? Son. Son. You know what Paul was to Timothy? He was a father figure. Remember, Timothy didn't have a saved daddy. Paul kind of became a father. He became a mentor to young Timothy. Look at what it says in chapter 2 and verse number 2. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, Paul was a godly teacher to Timothy. And you know what wise parents do? They surround their children with godly teachers. Hey, listen, encourage your children to love the teachers that God has placed in their lives. And so, look, one thing we see is Christian servants include godly teachers, but secondly, godly helpers. They need to have friends that are godly friends. And Uh, You think of sometimes about coaches in their lives as they play sports, and maybe people here in our church, somebody said, nearness is likeness. Who is it that, listen, moms and dads, who is it that your child right now aspires to be? Who do they want to be like? If right now you're thinking, well, my child just said the other day he wants to be like, I don't even know, some... Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, he's not even popular anymore, but if it's, if it's a worldly figure, then somehow along the way we've got to get with it and to influence our children with the right kind of people. Uh, to, to let them see how important it is, encourage them to have a relationship. Hey, listen, I, I, I would encourage them to have a relationship. I'm not just tooting my own horn this morning, but I, I love it when I always encourage my children to get to know their pastor you know? He shouldn't just be some person they just see up there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Encourage them to have a relationship with their Sunday school teacher, with other people in the church. Hey, listen, to do this, if you're going to encourage this, you've got to make the local church a priority. You've got to be in church. The Bible says in Galatians 4, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant though he be Lord of all, but is under, notice here the Bible says, under tutors and governors. The Bible talks about how that our children need to be under godly teachers, under godly helpers. Look what it says here, uh, that, that the local church is a place where you see those humble servants that will point your children towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says forsake not The assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Look, there needs to be a a pointing of our children towards the right kind of things. And we need to make sure that we're influencing them. Hey, look, how important is influence? Well, we know how important the influence of Timothy's mother was, right? We know how important the influence of Timothy's grandmother was. But listen, God also put a man by the name of Paul into his life. We need to understand the importance, because through that, God can deal with our children. See, the Word of God saved Timothy, but the Word of God also influenced him. And We need to make sure the Word of God is going in. Remember, I told you last week, Timothy didn't live in a, in a time where there was no chaos, where there was no sin. He lived in an ungodly world, just like we live in today. And somehow, in the midst of that ungodliness, Timothy benefited from the right kind of influence I love this statement. I think it's up there on the screen. Influence is a powerful tool. Seize it, use it, leverage it from every angle. God's given every one of us influence. Do you know we have some parents and even some grandparents right now that are influencing their children? I applaud you if you have children and you have your children at church today. And if you have children that maybe have gotten away from the Lord, look here. Always know that God still gives you opportunity along the way to influence them to come back to the Lord. And I hope you're going to use the influence that God's given to you. Next week's lesson, we're going to talk about our child's gifts and how we can influence our children to develop those gifts and to use those gifts for the Lord, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity you give us not only to live in this world, but to influence those that you put underneath of us. And Lord, many of us have children. They may not even be our own children, but God, you've given us opportunity to influence young, impressionable lives and help us to make the most of every opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we'll get started here in about 15, 17 minutes with our service. Thanks for being in Sunday school this morning.